Hello. On this podcast, we talk about movies, their faults, their flaws, and their plots. So, expect some spoilers. You've been warned. Welcome to Plot Spackle. I'm John, and I would be an airbender. I'm Eric, and I would be a firebender. I'm Richard, and I know that I would make the correct choice and go airbender. Hmm, well. You made the wrong choice, Eric. Listen, I don't have um, protagonist syndrome. It's not protagonist syndrome. It's simply the fact that uh, airbending has a scale of almost worthless to doomsday device. And so the only way to be safe from an airbender who has no morals is to be an airbender. I see. I mean, what are you going to do an airbender? Wipe out their tribe? I mean... The only way you can do that is if they choose not to straight up murder you. Ah, but they're pacifists, you see. Yeah, see what I mean? You, so, you meet a psychopathic airbender, what are you going to do? I don't know. They're gonna, you're going to throw a fire at them? No, there's no air. No oxygen, no fire. Then shoot lightning. Create a vacuum. So the airbender dies? No. So you're dead. They just create a cavitation bubble next to you and blow your blow your uh, insides out through your back. Hmm. First thing you'll feel is the uh, your eardrums bursting, and then you're already dead. Hmm. <clears throat> Was it? It's not Iro. What's the name of the uh, firebending leader that ha- didn't make a wrong choice? He should have gotten rid of the, the airbenders. Well, see, see, that's the whole point is, is if you're a psychopath and you're not an airbender, your goal is to get rid of all the airbenders before they make a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you know how, mu- how much trouble you can cause with just fire mm-hmm. if you had access to air too. Who, buddy? So you better just get rid of them first. See, I'm just sitting here thinking, man, having hot chocolate all the time would be nice. But there is one problem. We're not talking about that, air Avatar. Oh. So what are we filling our plot holes with then, guys? Unobtainium, obviously. We don't have meat. any unobtainium. Oh. Meat puppets? Meat puppets. I guess that's what we've got left. Make yourself a meat puppet as we talk about Avatar, James Cameron's Avatar, the first one. 2009. Yay. So, Eric, does that movie have a plot? It does have a plot. In fact, it uses many plots. But, so just to sum up, when... John Smith came to the New World. He met a native who taught him that his his culture was bad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the wrong movie. Oh, You're sorry. You're Pocahontas. Okay. So, when a retired... I don't think he's retired, but an army colonel was discharged from the military. He was assigned to watch a different native tribe. But ultimately, as he learned that his Wait, culture was bad... I, I think that's Dances with Wolves. Okay, when a logger is trying to cut down the rainforest to find just materials for because that's his job, he found a little fairy that taught him that... Wait he, a minute, you've hit Fern Gully. We're almost there, Eric. Okay, let's just smash these all together then, and come together with uh, Mr. Sully, an ex-marine who... Due to a genetic lottery, gets to take his brother's place in the Avatar program. The Avatar program is man-made, like 
well, I guess kind of you take some human DNA and some Navi DNA and kind of mix them together in a blender and then grow a creature. I think that's what I got from the movie. But anyway, so he takes his brother's place to pilot this avatar because he is a genetic, genetic match. But as he's going through and learning about the, the local culture, he realizes that, you know what? I don't like the uh, amenities of modernization. I want to go live in trees. Unfortunately, all the other proponents of uh, civilization decide, you know what? These uh, Navi have something that we want called unobtainium. And they, well, well, they want it. So they start wiping out the Navi and all their sacred trees or whatever. I don't know. Until a final battle where everyone comes together and the Ewoks beat the Empire. I mean, we, we, we almost had it. Almost. Yeah, but at the same time, we did have it. Yep, so that, yeah, that's the plot. That is three hours of plot right there. We saved you some time. Oh, and it's in 3D. Special 3D, but still headache-inducing eyeglasses 3D. Maybe that's just me, though. Or you could just watch it not in 3D. I mean, that's how I watched it this time, but when I, I've only seen it twice. I saw it in theaters, and I saw it when we watched it for this. I've only seen it once. Well, I mean, it was pretty big back in 2009. I watched it now for this. I didn't watch it in 2009. I mean, it, it was like the highest grossing movie ever. And they didn't get my money. Good for you, John. Way to stand up for your morals. Or not to go to things that were cultural phenomenons at the time. Yeah, I guess. So uh, <laughs> are there any facts about this movie here, Richard? There are. Uh, it had a, an estimated budget of $237 million. That's a lot of money. Uh, it ended up getting $77 million in its opening weekend. And by the end of its run, had hit... 785 million in the US and Canada alone and was it 2.9 billion dollars that's a lot more money so i mean it it did well i uh, mean it helps if you re-release a movie like 5 times sure uh i just like to point out that avatar the way of water is now the fourth highest grossing film of all time losing out to Avatar as one of them. Uh, Avatar was the first film to break that $2 billion barrier. Uh, they had some fun. Uh, they got to write a Navi language for it. And they put down about 4,000 or 1,000 words for the language. Though uh, our actor for Sully says that it was harder to it was actually harder to master the American accent than it was to pick up the Navi language. Uh, the mountains and landscape in Pandora were heavily influenced by Mr. Cameron's time in China, specifically the uh, I think it's Zheng Zhijie. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. I apologize. No, we don't have listeners in China. That's okay. But we could though. Maybe they like Pandora. Can we though? They like Pandora. They do. And they liked that at, James Cameron liked Pandora enough that one of the mountains in one of their mountain ranges that looks kind of like that was renamed Avatar Hallelujah Mountain. I don't know how I feel about renaming mountains for movies. 
I mean, would you like a Jedi mountain? No, that because I'm pretty sure that Disney would charge like $500 to go see it. Oh, that's true. Sure, sure. James, this is the second film by James Cameron to have uh, Sigourney Weaver. And he wasn't certain he wanted to cast her in this one because she was so good in Alien. Wouldn't it be Aliens? I thought Aliens, Scott yes. Alien. Well, she did a good job in... Uh, she did a good job in that one, too. Yeah. Then again, Sigourney Weaver does a good job. I'm trying to think like a movie that I didn't like her in. And you're, you're coming up blank, aren't you? The only thing that really pops in my head is Cabin in the Woods, but she's not bad in that. It's just kind of like Cabin in the Woods is a little too meta f- now. Like back in the day, it was okay. You have a distaste for fourth walling now? I think it's fourth walling has just kind of become cliched. Uh, you don't like the deconstruction? Like, I, I get it. But it's just like, okay, when everyone starts doing it. Let's just embrace the tropes again, please. Yeah, yeah. but see, Cabin in the Woods is the hipster. The, But true hipsters know the original Cabin in the Woods is Evil Dead. Even though I think it was really uh, Jason, uh, Friday the 13th, but besides the point. Sure, sure. Uh, this is the fourth collaboration between Weta Digital and uh, Industrial Light and Magic. They did uh, Contact in 97, right. Van Helsing in 2004, and then, uh, remember that, that Aragon film? They did, they did. They did Aragon. Like, this trajectory. I, I was, was gonna, like, it's like con, contacts. All right. Um, Hel- Van Helsing. Van Helsing is a really dumb movie, but I like the visual effects and it's a lot of fun. Then Aragon was just bad. And then they make $2 billion movie. Yes. And then they make $2 billion movies. Uh, and then there is, of course, the paradox of the Avatar film. Uh, everyone, you know. We talk about how it was the highest grossing film of all time until Endgame happened. And what is the big cultural impact from it, Eric? Uh, well, blue people, I guess. And, well, we did go into a great time of every movie needed to be in 3D. But what what, what does it, how has it changed the world I guess there's a land at Disney World now. There's a mountain in China that's... There's a mountain in China, but the big cultural impact from Avatar is that there wasn't any big cultural impact from Avatar, which turned into a meme. But by itself, making a meme about how it doesn't have any cultural impact is cultural impact. And so the lack of cultural impact created cultural impact, and thus you have the Avatar paradox. I just figured because you had to, ch- they had to charge more to see it with 3D glasses. That's what pushed it over the edge. I don't even. Is the new one even in 3D now? I yes. Just, mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> definitely not going to go see it then. Sure. I mean, we'll, you'll you'll see could, it one day. You could just watch it in regular. No, I don't want to. But we'll we'll have to do it for the, another episode someday in the future. Yeah, uh, I missed out on watching movies before. It'll happen. <laughs> and. uh the avatars all have five fingers, but the Navi only have four. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And Navi and humans are the only things on the planet that don't have six limbs. So, I wonder if, if what you're saying then is there an ancient aliens theory that the I Navi? I am were... saying that the Navi are a constructed race. Yes, 
but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But first, I think it's time for those plot holes. Rub my hands together. All right. Where are we getting our plot holes from? So we've got some off of IMDb, and we also have our old friends at Screen Rant. Yay. All right. Well, you know what? For our first plot hole for Avatar. Cockpits of numerous aircraft are breached without the unshielded pilots being affected by the toxic atmosphere. I mean, I think most of those pilots ended up dead. Yeah, I think all the breaching happened directly as a result of a catastrophic impact. Mm-hmm. Um, to fix this plot hole, though, I would probably say that the human crafts have a positive pressure. So the world of Pandora... Let's say, okay, let's take our standard atmosphere. It's one atmosphere or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's a that's an excellent point. Maybe Pandora is like 0.7 atmospheres. Well, we know that Pandora has a lower gravity, mm-hmm. so it's going to have less uh, pressurized uh, atmosphere. So even though that the human atmosphere is going to leak, like the oxygen, whatever, it's going to leak out into Pandora, but it still gives them enough time to get their safety masks on. Just a single like puncture isn't going to be as dangerous as they as it could be and isn't it toxic because it's at a an elevated co2 yes uh that is what they say in the film all right that doesn't kill you right away though it, it takes a, a minute and if you're getting shot in the chest by a, a getting shot in the chest with a great bow arrow that's that's an entirely different problem that's gonna and you know generally if the cockpit is breached it's crashing mm-hmm. which is also a more immediate problem yeah. I mean, it's not like an airplane uh, pilot on Earth dies instantly if I mean, the, there's a breach. It they... does turn out that the unshielded pilots didn't need to be affected by the, uh, by the toxic atmosphere by virtue of being dead. That solves dead... a lot of your problems. And dead bodies don't care a whole lot about breathing, turns out. Fun fact. You heard it here first. <laughs> Fun fact. See, now Richard's back. We have facts again. <laughs> you don't have to worry about uh, the morgue losing oxygen. Yeah. Except for, for the, the mortician. Yeah. They might care. Okay. All right. Well, then I, I assume that one's pretty solved. Yeah, that one. That was a very shallow hole. Um, Only took one. Barely took one upstart electric meat puppet to fill. This is the kind of hole that your kid would be like, hey, dad, watch me jump over it. And you're like, all right, son. Then they skid their knee and don't acknowledge that because kids are basically indestructible until their Schrodinger's like injury. They're either like severely hurt or like not hurt at all. And until you react to it, you don't know what it's going to be. Anyways, next plot hole. When Sully gets lost on his first field trip, it seems rather odd that his massively expensive avatar body, so va- va- so valuable that an untrained, inexperienced, invalid, oh, invalid soldier, I was going to call him invalid, but you know what? He is validated. Anyways, so valuable that an untrained, inexperienced, in- invalid soldier has been flown light years to use it. It has no implanted tracking hardware to prevent exactly the kind of accidental lost- loss he experiences? Well... I think the big problem is that it the uh, whole thing creates a nice psychic link, but there's all of the stuff that ruins the ability to track stuff super well. Unobtainium, it messes with it. Isn't that kind of like the point? Like once they get into certain spots that the... You have to fly visually. Mm-hmm. 
just sensors get weird. At the same time, they pinpointed where all the unobtainium is from orbit. Yeah, by looking at where all their sensors go wonky. So, how much unobtainium, how much unobtainium does he have in his body, John? I don't know. I, I, he's got to have Probably some portion of unobtainium in the body. Might be an important part of the uh, like ecosystem. I mean, if it's in the minerals in the ground, it's in the roots of the plants, which means it's in the uh, herbivores, which means it's in the carnivores, and also means it's in the navi. So they, the the navi probably need like a like a point one percent unobtainium in their diet. In their diet, so that messes with uh messes with tracking. Messes with the tracking. And also maybe the dual signals from uh, the brain swap and the uh, tracking just don't agree. Mm-hmm. Well, so going back to the way you described it, John, that everything has a little bit of uh, everything has a little bit of unobtainium. That man, that's a dumb name. Um, maybe it's just because everything does have unobtainium in it, like small trace amounts that puts out too much noise. You can't track it that way. You need like high concentrations to really tell where it is. I would say the psychic link messes up, uh, messes with it too. And plus, how are you supposed to power the darn thing? Is it supposed to be a subcutaneous like injection? I mean, given that they put in the psychic receiver nodes when they grow, grew the meat puppet, yes, I would say yes. Yeah, it's powered by. It would be powered by movement, like like the tracking device in your dock. My dog doesn't have a tracking device. Did the CIA get to my dog? No, no. You can you can put a tracking device in your animal. That's a thing you can do. It's called yeah. an air tag, John. Yeah. Well, it's not even the air tag. You can just put in a chip, and it's powered by the dog's movement. Like I, my dog has a chip in it, but I just thought it was like a low RF receiver, or whatever. It has to. You have to actively send the wand over it to get the text information or whatever. But it doesn't send like a GPS signal. Some of them. Hmm. Man, what a world we live in today. That's Yay, way, science. That's way, way more than I'd want to spend on that dog, though. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they're, they're saying these are really expensive meat puppets. Why didn't they do it? Yeah. And the answer is probably because there were reasons not to. Uh, I'm going to put down that given that it was a UN initiative to interact with the local local indigenous people... And putting in a tracking tag on a person is a violation of pri- of uh, intergalactic privacy law. Does the UN even have uh, jurisdiction on Pandora, though? They I don't had think enough, they should. They had enough to send an Avatar project. Look, they haven't. They, have, they can put the uh, they can put their tracking tag on your clothes or on your gun or whatever. Usually, they do just it on don't the lose ear. it in the jungle. <laughs> Let's just do an ear tag, and then they let him go again? Yeah. <laughs> I th- Release him back into the wild. I feel like the Navi should have all had ear tags. Like Maybe some of those tracking callers. Like, Look, like, that was at their least first the, interaction. At least the older Navi would have had the ear tags. See, but the UN doesn't have jurisdiction over uh, space, but they do have jurisdiction over the people you're selling stuff to. Hmm. I, I mean, and social capital is a thing. And no one wants to buy blood up unobtainium. I mean, it's a mm. dumb name. It is a dumb name. All right. Well, so what's our next plot hole? All right. So, so, so are we going to go with that one? Is just the uh, um, there are reasons, possibly unobtainium, possibly uh, 
the planet I'd say itself, unobtainium, and- the planet itself, and privacy laws, because that put that involves putting a tracker on a human, even if he happens to be in a th- in a in another thing. And it starts getting into some very edgy territory that the UN didn't want to be involved in. So then we'll switch over to during Jake's first excursion in his avatar, he gets attacked by several species of predators within a few hours. But every time he leaves his avatar unexpectedly, with it just lying on the ground unprotected, nothing happens to it. Well, um, the reason the predators attacked him was because he started a fire. And all these predators are very aggressive to fire. For an unknown reason, though, we might talk about later our theory of why that is. Foreshadowing. Maybe, just maybe, these predators aren't scavengers, though. Like, okay, let's assume Jake is dead, or maybe he has just some... They think the, it's a dead body or whatever, and who's going to eat that? It's how, who, how, who knows how long that's been left out? I mean, and if it's just there, lying completely, unta- completely intact... It probably ate something poisonous. Oh, oh, guys. Five second rule. That body's been there for more than five seconds. Ain't ain't touching it. It is a universal rule. Yeah, it's it's probably going to have disease on it. Let's also talk about all the times that his body went unconscious. Isn't it when he's with people? It's when he's with people. Uh, Yeah, I would assume the Navi would just Mm -hmm. take care of it. Yeah, he's just taking a nap. Mm Mm-hmm. Where they know, like, oh, hey, just FYI, I'm a narcoleptic. I might just sleep, like, go to sleep for a little bit. He's from the Jarhead clan. It's their thing. Mm-hmm. And eating crayons. Don't forget that. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the first time he, he actually goes unconscious, it's when he goes to sleep in the Navi village. And I assume that the Navi aren't going to just have random predators wander through where they have everyone sleeping. And, like, so the body goes in some sort of stasis. Two, it probably releases uh, pheromones that mean "don't eat me." Yeah, probably. They 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 Navi they reasonably... meat puppets are extra spicy. That's part of the uh, the cost was getting the sriracha straight into the the blood. Have you seen how much sriracha costs now? Like astronomical, or even ghost pepper. They got ghost pepper blood. Mm. So there you go. That's what. That's why nothing happens to him when he goes unconscious, is because he's around people every all the time. And he probably tastes terrible. Tastes like science. All right, and uh, is that all for... There's one in the spoiler all right. section. All right, after it, about 110 minutes. This is a very specific spoiler. I think it's just in case you want to look it up and... Trudy starts the engines on her ship before everyone is on board. This immediately alerts the military command she's taking a ship without authorization consequently grace gets shot by the colonel if trudy had waited to start her engines after everyone was on board most likely grace would have not been injured oh this one includes the fact probably if she'd known that she'd have waited but she didn't well i mean i think that's a good uh turns out that you have solved that plot hole right there she didn't know that it was going to alert people that you were going to be taking off and so people got shot all right so I'm going to throw out that her or the, this uh, story doesn't even make sense then because they have to start the engines and prep the ship for flight, right? Yep. Because flying a plane is just like driving a car. You can just turn it on and go. Correct? Well, oh, yeah, just ask any pilot. Yes, yeah. yes and no. Okay, you might not go far. So you can operate any machinery 
with a minimum time, you cannot operate any machinery safely and with knowledge that it'll function how you intend it to without following the proper uh, procedure. So that's the difference is you can just start a plane and try and take off. The results of your actions may not be what you expect with, unless you go through the process. I'm also going to assume, so it's obviously not an internal combustion engine like we use here on earth because that their atmosphere wouldn't support that sort of chemical combustion or whatever. So it's got to be some fantastical technology or something. It's powered by unobtainium. Probably. Maybe it's just the unobtainium has to warm up, like kind of it's a cold day. And see, see, but my point is, is that if it's going to take time to start the plane, checks. would it matter if they all like got in and then started? Yeah, like if they're all just sitting in there, who's to say that they couldn't just, I don't know, remotely shut down the thing or... Or, or the fact that they notice and say, hey, why is everyone climbing into this airplane? Oh, wait, why is it turning on? Mm-hmm. And be like, oh, stop it right then and there. But otherwise it's, hey, you've started up your engines and then you can bluff and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just uh, doing some uh, running a diagnostic, running a diagnostic. Yeah, you're not in the repair crew, but that buys you time. So you, as soon as everyone gets on, you're off. Mm-hmm. And. People like I could see the argument for how could she not know that it would set it would send a warning back to the base, but she would never have any reason to care because every other time she was authorized to take off that plane. And so nobody would ever have to call her on it. And also this is a very specific result. Like you think she's Dr. Strange in it up in there saying, oh. This is the only future where we all escape, except for Grace, who gets shot. <laughs> like, if they knew it's a risky, it's a risky action, regardless of what order you do. I think the yeah, turning she, on and then everyone getting on is the least risk involved. Yeah, she knew that they, there was a quote, good possibility of all of them getting shot. Because it was literally mutiny. Yeah, and, and if things got off and they figure out soon enough then she's the only one who's known to be doing something. Everyone mm-hmm. else could try again later. So what really was is that she's uh, prepared to self-sacrifice mm-hmm. by warming up ahead of time. So there you go. Yeah, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I just don't think the you have to turn on the machine just to get it warmed up or in addition to like her self-sacrifice or whatever. But yeah, very specific. And they solved it already for us, so. Yeah, yeah. maybe she just didn't know. Poor planning. Sometimes characters are just dumb. As long as their motivations make sense, they can be missing information and still make sense as a character. There we go. So, All right, so on to Screen Rant. On to Screen Rant. Okay, so going to Screen Rant. So... And this is in their uh, their article, Avatar, 10 Things That Make No Sense About the James Cameron Mega Hit. So, first, there's no oxygen. As opposed to the worst planets in sci-fi pop culture that nobody would want to visit, the planet Pandora is a virtual paradise with sprawling, massive forests as far as the eye can see. How ironic, then, that there's an overload of carbon dioxide in the air that makes it unbreathable for humans. This is a plot hole difficult to cover up at least from the perspective of our own planet, not to mention the role trees play in storing huge amounts of carbon. 
Cameron should have jettisoned the carbon dioxide explanation, stuck with the fact that Pandora is comprised of high amounts of hydrogen sulfide, which would be enough to kill humans all by itself. It would be one less thing to try and explain later down the road. Well, they have fortunately covered for us one of the problems right there, is that from the perspective of our own planet, we are dealing with a different biology and ecology system. And who says that all of the plants on that planet work the same way as plants on our planet? I mean, I'd assume they do, just because, uh, like, photosynthesis is a is a process, and they're using the photosynthesis to convert uh, CO2 into uh, sugars with the help of hydrogen. Turns out oxygen. that it's a great place for CO2, then. But see, that's the thing. Uh, having a high CO2 means that there's going to be a lot of plants. And big plants, I'm assuming, as well. Oh, yeah. Massive plants. The problem is, is the limit of water. Because pl- water. plants need um, the hydrogen from the water to combine with the uh, the carbon from the CO2 to make the sugars. Oh, there you go. So this that article just, or, well, that point in the article just seems like, uh, well, we know what CO2 is here. Why don't you do something a little bit more exotic? But it's like, well, CO2 will kill you. Like, yeah, yeah, it's CO2, too much CO2 will kill you. It'll kill you faster than running out of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's funny that they're like, it makes it unbreathable for humans. And it's the... There are several parts in the film where people end up without masks on, and it doesn't immediately kill you. It makes it difficult to breathe and is indicated to definitely not be good for you, but you don't die instantly. And I guess, so what they say, hydrogen sulfate or whatever? Yeah. So a sort of acid or whatever. I think, well, I think it's an acid gas or something. Wouldn't you kind of need, like, special equipment to just go outside at any point? Oh, yeah. So then they have to introduce that, or at least with the CO2, it's like, okay, you can wear the your breathing mask. The CO2 scrubber. And so it's a little bit easier. You don't have to explain as much. I understand why. Like, I'm not faulting him for using CO2. Yeah, I just I just don't find the, uh, this is a very compelling plot hole, because, like, there's still going to be, like, if there's enough CO2 in the atmosphere, there's going to be plenty of plants and still plenty of CO2 because there's a limit to how much the plants can pull out at a time. And if there is some kind of chemical process happening in the core of the planet itself that's producing more CO2... Yeah. Because there, I mean, there's, what... Where, like in Africa, I think, that occasionally just has CO2 bubbles that come up. I know there's some lakes in Russia. Oh, yeah. Like uh, the CO- methane lakes, but that's CO- different. CO2 is produced a lot by uh, by animals, but also, like, uh, I think mushrooms do a surprising amount of CO2. And then um, vol- volcanoes will yeah. produce CO2. I think bogs might release a lot of CO2 as well when they're decomposing. Uh, well, just plant matter is decomposing in there. It releases the carbon that was trapped. Yeah. So. It's the circle of... Uh, elements all right so if it's been a lot of uh plants for a long time and we know what you need to have co2 carbon and oxygen you need to have a lot of oxygen and so like earth used to have massive amounts of oxygen in the atmosphere a lot more oxygen than now compared to the the other chemicals Mm. and it caught fire a lot which means that there's probably a lot of coal underground on Pandora. 
And if any of that, uh, you know, catches fire because of the uh, sheer amount of CO2 trapping all the gases, making a making it warm. extra warm, that'll burn forever. Someone should someone should base a movie off of that, like a little coal fire in Pennsylvania that's continually burning underground. Maybe make it horror or something. I don't know. Sounds cool. But yeah, so there's yeah, there's lots of uh, natural things going on. It's just oh, there's a planet. It has too much CO two. They should have done something different. No, it works. And yes, the lake was in Africa. Yeah, there's the lake in Africa that catches the CO two. Uh, well, there's it had a big old outgassing and just did a bubble of oh, CO two. Yeah, and just slaughtered villages. Yeah, and then the lake, like two lakes over, did a uh, had a bubble that went into it and turned the whole thing into carbonic sulfide. Which isn't fun, I'm assuming. It's not. Yeah. Sulfites make sense. Because, like because they are they are volcanic volcanic lakes, but they're also in a mountain range, so the water is never disturbed. Mm-hmm. And so it surpasses the uh hydrogen uh the uh saturation level. But since nothing disturbs it, it just keeps filling up until something does disturb it and then And then bad and things. then it bubbles. If you want some interesting reading, look up the Lake Neos disaster. Richard, I think your definition of interesting is kind of morbid. I mean, yes. I mean, if you weren't a robot, you'd be more interested in the morbid things as well. Oh, I know how to kill humans. They're pretty easy. Nice and squishy. That's why we have lots of meat puppets. Buckets of blood in each person. Way more than you'd think. All right. So moving on. There's lots of CO2 on Pandora, and it's fine. Well, it's not fine to go out, but it makes sense in the story. Someone was just being annoying. Let's talk about the avatar process. Humans link to their avatars using link units, a little special bed that forges a psionic link across great distances. But it's never fully explained how this process works, other than to suggest that each avatar has receiver nodes grown into their brains from birth. This suggests a type of Wi-Fi connection, 7G perhaps, that can cast the connection across many kilometers. The range of the connection seems awfully short, and there's no mention of what happens during a signal interruption, though it's assumed the avatar simply loses consciousness as normal. The entire premise makes little sense. When is the range ever established? It never is. It is not. The... I assume that about the only thing that we really have is that it needs to be on planet because they had to ship him there. I mean, who's to say they can't just use satellites or whatever? Maybe a satellite in a geosynchronous orbit, like right above, like, okay, we have this hundred mile radius or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, like once it hits a certain range, even several kilometers, you could just do it from orbit as long as you're staying above where you are, right? And like... I don't understand where the range of the connection seems no, short comes from. They never talk about that. And also there's never any disconnect from any purpose other than unplugging. Yeah. Cause the, the one place that you would think it would be is in the middle of the vortex where they talk about how you can't trust any of your navigation stuff. All of the signals don't work right. And that is literally where they fly him to use his avatar. So it obviously doesn't work off like ra- electric waves or whatever. I Something think that would be affected by that. It's quantum. Oh, everything's quantum to you, John. 
No, no, because this is more quantum the, entangled. Quantum entangled, because that's that's the theory. real like quantum thing, as is where you're like you have this molecule here and another molecule very far away seems to be connected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm assuming that's how they do it. I can I can definitely see that because they talk about it's what six billion dollars to make a single avatar, mm-hmm. which is why it's so uh, why it has to be the genetic thing because it has to match your brain to get the to get the proper quantum entanglement, mm-hmm. and that makes sense. Like it's it's not seven G or whatever joke they put in there or whatever. It's I don't think this article's entirely serious, but I maybe it was just an intern who was given the job like make up some issues with Avatar, and they. Because they talk about there's no mention of what happens during signal interruption. We know what happens during signal interruption because he has been pulled out of things in the middle of doing stuff and he falls unconscious. I don't think that they covered this one super well. It's a, an undefined enough uh, technology that it's hard to find a plot hole because we don't know enough about its limitations. Yeah, there, there aren't enough facts about it in the film to make judgments about whether or not it works. All we know is that it works in the film, except mm-hmm. when it's forcefully disconnected. I don't know. Maybe it's a really long Ethernet cable. All right. So, uh, Unobtainium. It's there, a dumb name. It's a dumb name. Um, there are two problems with the concept of the material known as Unobtainium and Avatar. The first is the name, which has been used as an in-joke within the scientific community to describe any material needed for a specific purpose which was practically impossible to find. While the name was not changed to a proper scientific title when it was discovered on Pandora, isn't known. And the second problem is the material itself, which flies in the face of the laws of physics due to its matrix. It's all a bit technical, but the structure of unobtainium goes against everything we know about superconducting materials. So we, so we got two issues here. So I'm going to go with the first one. How dumb one. the name is. How It is super dumb. And you know what? I think we talked about this earlier. I think it's a marketing name. I think it does have an actual, like, maybe it's the chemical composition of unobtainium, but whatever Wayland yutani or whatever the heck this company's called, I don't actually remember. But Uh, Like the Quatric or something. Quatric. They're going to be releasing it as, oh, we don't care that it's the trihydrogenated lithium, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It is unobtainium. That sounds cool. And we can only get it on Pandora. So, I mean, that's why it's unobtainable for us, but we can go there to get it. So sign your families up, baby. We're going to mining. And that's, you know, you also get paid well to, like, live 10 years off planet. Uh, on a on a pretty tropical paradise? That will, will kill you. Yeah. But anything will kill you. It's true. I mean, if you stay on Earth, you might get killed by a mugger in a back alley. You go to Pandora, you're going to get killed by a majestic six-legged jaguar. Well, there you go. Doesn't that just sound cooler? Yeah, yeah. It's a better way to go, really. I think dying in a hot hot tub filled with chocolate is a better way to go, but... That's terrible. For you, maybe. Let's have a vote, then. Fine, drowning in Dr. Pepper. All right, all right. So I vote that would be be pretty cool if Eric died in a hot tub full of chocolate. Oh, yeah. No, that's pretty. All right. That just sounds mean. <laughs> it's unanimous. Eric should die in a hot tub full of hot ch- of, of chocolate. Well, we know where your processors are going to end up. Huh. You can do the whole, like, thumb thing as you, as you <laughs> sink down. That would be pretty cool. See? It is unanimous. 
We took a vote. Our right. democracy sucks. And, and the second part is that it's an element that doesn't make sense, and they found it, and everybody wants it. Yep. I don't basically. know how that's a plot hole. It turns out that if you find a new material that violates some law of physics that people assume, everyone wants it, and it becomes very valuable. I mean, at that point, I think... Why are they bringing real-world logic into a movie? I mean, they have, like, flying, like, hovering spaceships or whatever. We have interstellar travel. Yeah, they have they have a form of FTL. So, I mean, but, man, this mineral, that this is, or material or whatever, that's the, the real issue. Yeah, yep. if it made sense, like, here's the thing. How, what percent of the uh, table of elements only exists if it's formed in a lab for brief periods of time. I know all the like heavy, heavy, the radioactive ones. Yeah. So that's the thing is if unobtainium existed in normal physics, we could create it in some way or form. We could create it because it's either an alloy of various materials, in which case we can manufacture it or it is a shoot enough neutrons, uh, shoot enough neutrons. And then we can form it. Unobtainium doesn't make sense. It only appears in Pandora. We have to go there and mine pen, uh, unobtainium. Mm-hmm. That that makes makes this movie make more sense. Yeah, than... It actually gives people a reason and why this thing is so valuable. We're willing to just completely run roughshod over the natives to get it. So there you go. Yes, it is a silly name. But yes, having it not follow what we know about physics is why we want it. All right, so the next issue with this this article, the Na'vi accept humans. This one makes no sense no matter how many ways one tries to slice it. The Na'vi are a warrior tribe with deep spiritual connections to the planet Pandora. That makes their ambivalence towards humans all the more puzzling. Yes, they aren't fond that humans are tearing up the planet with deforestation and mining operations, but they seem to make exceptions. Those particular exceptions being humans that grow Navi clones, which can be remotely controlled to allow for, for infiltration into their society. This would be interpreted by any culture as a literal, literal Trojan horse scenario and an insult to boot. Which they say in the movie. They call the um, the devil creatures, I think, or like they're heretical or I don't know. The tribe literally calls the created Navi problems i mean unnatural an extra finger is actually not that deep into the uncanny valley Uh uh-huh so it's not like they have that strangeness and then like so the navi are social animal so they pack bond humans pack bond they've also how long have humans been on pandora like they've been, they've had enough time to set up schools and have kids yeah, go they, through the they, schools. They've had an attempt to teach people, so it's been a decade at least. So maybe at first, yeah, they didn't like the humans, but they've been slowly customized, acclimatated to. Yeah, to them. and they're intelligent predators, which means their first interaction with something they don't understand is curiosity, and then if it's friendly communication, they'll try friendly communication. And they did. I mean, think about human folklore. We have stories about talking fish. Songs about talking fish, even. Or, you know, like, we have animals in our houses. I have an animal in my home. 
Got an animal in my house. I have an animal in my house, like a, lit, a literal animal that would 10,000 years ago have fought me for resources. Yeah. And so so we can get past that. And the Navi are pretty similar. They have uh, pack bonding. And can- I would actually argue that due to their whole connection to the planet, because they link to just about everything. They link to the tree. They link to predators. They link to their horses. They link to the flying things. And they have this whole, like, understanding of it. And they now they have the humans that don't link. They are a mystery and a puzzle for sure. But that just means it's a curious thing. It's a curious thing. And then you get the ones, the humans that are learning to link. And that is why, you know, the these are the few people that are actually trying to learn about Pandora. You are like a baby. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a line from Literal the Literal line. Can't remember many others, but that one exists. Oh, don't forget unobtainium. Unobtainium. <laughs> it's worth $20 million for like this chunk. I think they said one kilo is $20 million or something. Yeah. And so. Oops. Dumb name. So it's just like, imagine like if you meet a strange human and then like they explain, oh, I'm not really a, a human. I'm an alien who's taken this form to try and communicate with you. You'd be like. What? Well, that's that's interesting, but you're not going to think, oh, this guy's totally trying to get my uh, get a hold of my dirt. This guy's after all all of Earth's dirt. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he was after all of Earth's gold or something. Especially because I mean, that's the whole thing is the Navi are about communicating with other things. It's true. Now I do wonder: can you connect a Navi to your Nintendo Game Boy? And trade your uh, trade my Pokemon through Pokemon the to them. Like, could you evolve your uh, your Haunter into a Gengar with a uh, Navi? Well, uh, you'd have to get a special a special cable. But they but come with the cable. No, no, you'd have to have the the right adapter to okay. connect. But I mean, since we are capable of growing our avatars that include. The little uplink thing. I assume that you could get one that has the right port on the end for your Game Boy. I feel like this was the secret to peace that everyone missed, is that no one brought a Nintendo Game Boy. We should have taken Pokemon to the Navi. Yeah, they'd be like, hey, I don't think you want work. this. you want this clothes? And they're like, no, we don't want your human clothing. What about human medicine? No, we don't want your human medicine. Would you like a Charmander? And they're like, what's a Charmander? It's like, we're going to hook you up. And they're like, yes, yes, I will t- give you all the unobtainium for your Charmanders. See, I don't think it would work because I'm looking at the actual Game Boy uh, serial link connector. It's pretty small. I don't think they're little tentacly uh, hair. See, bits. but that's the thing is you'd have to have the update. You'd have to have the cable adapter, and they're capable of growing, making those. And so you just have to splice it to the cable. See, I think they use fiber optics, though. That's the thing because it's light based, whereas this was electricity. Yeah, you, you, that's it. Just means there's an adapter. There's an adapter for everything. <laughs> They don't sponsor us, do they? There, I think there's a make a cable or something that makes <laughs> any cable you want. We will talk about people who don't sponsor us. I mean, we've joked about uh, Raid Shadow Legends <laughs> and uh, Audible. And Dr. Pepper. And VP- NordVPN. We've got to throw in Raycon at some point. Yeah. 
but yeah, so I feel like we've stumbled upon the secret to peace with the Navi. Would have been Pokemon. Would have been Pokemon. Could they say no to Pikachu? Well, and see, here's the when thing. When was this set? Sorry. What year did they say? Oh, uh, 21 something. I'll have. Oh, so that's like generation 34 Pokemon. Something and that's that... not a very good generation. That's no. probably why. I mean, you're probably not not even getting the original. Yeah, Generation 33 was okay, but Generation 34 was just no, like unimaginative designs. Like, I like 2148 to 2154. There's generally like a cube Pokemon that's just a cube. I'm just trying to think. So most Pokemon always comes out with, oh, you have your basic bird Pokemon, your basic uh, rat Pokemon or whatever. Yeah, yeah, basic rat. What are they going to do for Pandora when now that they discovered, oh man, there's a ton of basic rats over here. Pandora's filled with basic rats in the bush. I mean, when Sully did go into the long grass, he did get ambushed by... uh... Yeah, and he didn't have a Pokemon with him. And the way to defend yourself against other predators on Pandora is to connect with one, a bond. That's like the first two two, Mm -hmm. uh, minutes of Pokemon. Like I I said, they would understand the Pokemon. It's about building a deeper relationship with the creatures and animals of the world around you. And making them fight. All right. So, yeah, we've covered this plot hole. All right. right. So, next up, they go back into the not having a tracking mechanism. Yeah, I think we covered that. We're not going to go back into that one again. So, then we will go into Trudy's paint job. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez, best known for starring in the frightening popcorn horror franchise Resident Evil, played Trudy in Avatar, a character who takes a heroic turn for the better. After watching how the military treat the Navi for so long, Trudy decides to call it quits, abandons her unit, rather than taking part in mass slaughter. It's an excellent turn of events for the character that instantly makes her one of the most likable in the story. And that's all fine, but it's not made clear when or where she was able to paint her attack chopper in Navi colors, not to mention herself. Theoretically, the paint job would help the Navi identify her as a friend, but it's more of a question of timing as opposed to anything else. Isn't the paint job after the montage? The paint job is after the montage. I was just about to bring up, didn't they have a montage where they go and talk to all the other... uh, Man, most of this movie could have been a montage. There were a couple of montages, yeah. I'm just saying more of it. I mean, <laughs> take three hours and you have narration. Seriously. Show, don't tell. Especially if you're going to take three hours to do so. Mm-hmm. So I think we're all in a, we all agree it happened during a montage. It happened in a montage. Once upon a montage, she painted her helicopter different colors. Yep. There you go. With Navi face paint. All right. The mech knife. One of the coolest scenes in the entire film is undoubtedly the fight between Atiri and Quaritch. After all, audiences love watching a guy in a giant combat robot do battle with an alien canine being ridden by an exotic alien. There's a lot of action in the scene, even before Jake joins in on the fun. However, that large combat knife simply makes no sense. Quaritch draws it from a holster and wields it as a humanoid. Would any mech designer with with his or her salt would have included bladed weaponry of some sort in the machinery's forearms? It's just one more object they can get lost in a fight. They're upset that he didn't have a Pacific Rim sword. I mean, that's just a standard situation in life, though. Aren't you upset that you don't have a Pacific Rim sword? I am, yes. 
it is a constant state of being. I also want to throw out, why does he have a holster knife? Because it makes a really cool scene by their own admission. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the mech, it's like he has like, it's not like he's pulling on levers or whatever to make the arms move. It's just his arms are in uh, sensors and wherever his arm goes, the robot arm goes as well. So, so I'm going to throw this out here. He's mostly a mercenary, isn't he? I think, no, I think he's part of the military. Well, that's very bad for uh, Pandora if he's an actual member of the military. Why is that? They don't win. Well, don't they win in the second one? Like, I don't, I actually don't know. But Yeah, just long term, long term. But still, I don't think these robots are actually meant to be frontline combat units. Like, well, they're terrible designed for a, a combat tool. They're very top heavy. I almost want to think they're probably loadered machines or whatever yeah that, that's my thought is that they Some are kind of equipment equipment that's been uh modified and used for uh, combat because they i know they have rifles but at some point isn't it's just a normal human rifle like they just have to scale it up basically mm-hmm. so basically most of the weapons this mech has it's just normal people weapons that's been scaled up and so he has a knife on the holster on the outside because he wanted an aftermarket upgrade to his mech, and he thought a knife would be cool. He's good at knife fighting as a person, and so he's like, I can turn this load lifter into a really dangerous weapon if I give it a knife. And they're all like, wait, that's kind of dumb. And he's like, but it would be cool. Imagine me like knife fighting like a Navi on a, on a leopard. Like, that would be cool. But when is that ever going to happen? It's like, you can always dream, but I can always get the knife. Also, the thing about a knife in the holster is you can throw it. A knife can be turned into a ranged weapon if if necessary. I mean, it's obviously always a backup, too. It's just, I'm just trying to, I think they did have the It could mechs. also be used as a machete for clearing jungle. Also, uh, maybe. I don't we'll, think it was long enough to be a machete. It doesn't have to be super long when you're a scaled up robot thing. Yeah, when you're a giant robot. Yeah, but you want mach- machetes to be long because then it gives you more slicing power. So, see, now the issue also with the uh, the knife installed on the mech is that's extra weight made for a specific purpose. Whereas if you have a holster knife, that's a loadout you can change. Real easy. I'm assuming most of the mech drivers just... They have a list of, all right, I want, well, definitely going to take the gun. What other accessories can I have? And the quartermaster says, you get a gun. But, but he gets a knife. He's he, also in charge of the military. Yeah, he's, he's in charge. He's my boss. Uh, you want a chainsaw? If, if he want... says that you get a knife, you can get a knife. How about a chainsaw sword? Would you like one of them? Yes. Too bad we don't have any. <laughs> Are you a heretic? So, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't think they're military equipment to begin with. They're they're terrible for the concept of fighting. Like, it's a mech. It's top heavy. So any benefit you'd gain from heavier uh, weaponry would be downgraded. Because if you fire anything with any sufficient kickback, you're just going to fall over. There's no armor plating around the vulnerable human part, which is up in front. And it's primarily just a giant glass window 
when, as we've learned from tanks, you can just put in video screens and keep the squishy humans safe on the inside. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they lost that technic technology in the 200 years. It's That's what they need the unobtainium for. Yeah, so to I, build better robots. So I think that it is it's they they brought the uh the mechs as a uh labor assistant thing cuz that's very similar is like probably like when they first landed it's like okay, let's clear out this area. Yeah, they're just picking up stuff, they're moving stuff and the army's like, "Well, what if we have some sort of like mechanized unit?" And it's like, "Well, you know how he expensive it is to ship a tank through FTL?" And it's like, "Fine. What do you have?" Well, we got these low lifters. Can we just scale up guns? That's easy. It's easy to scale up guns and ship a hundred guns. All right. So continuing on, Sully tames a great, I can't even remember how they used to pronounce it. Leonopteryx. Leonopteryx. Okay. So Sully tames a great Leonopteryx, whatever. Cut that part out, Eric, if it doesn't sound good. It's one thing to go all out in an effort to redeem oneself after falling to a low point, but it is quite another to suggest that sheer force of will can overcome anything. Sully somehow manages to tame a great Leonopteryx, perhaps the most fearsome and frightening apex predator on Pandora, and certainly up there with the most deadly sci-fi movies, Monsters in the Universe, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not. The, sorry, I'm, I'm commenting on the article. They, they have a link to another one of their articles. About the deadliest sci-fi monsters, and you think this doesn't belong on that list? Okay, let's put a xenomorph and this in a fight. I think the xenomorph is going to win. I don't know for sure if the Xenomorph will win, but the uh, Leonopteryx doesn't win. So, yeah, first bite the Leonopteryx takes out of the. Uh... Yeah, if the Leonopteryx managed to bite the Xenomorph, they both and the Xenomorph dies from the bite, they both lose. If the Leonopteryx bites the Xenomorph and fails to kill the Xenomorph, it just loses. So, we'll go back and we can discuss, you know, the most dangerous animals whatever Look, by the way it's man man is the real answer i feel like the predator wouldn't even have a leonopteric skull and in, in his like trophy room that's in the living room underneath the uh the he's using it table. for the he's using it for the coffee table yeah. he's just got like a plexiglass steel thing on the top so that you can see the skull underneath yeah so anyways getting past uh blatant uh tie-in articles this makes little sense given Sully's relative inexperience compared to the Navi who have been hunting and gathering for decades. The sheer sight of a Leonopteryx is enough to send Navi running for the hills, which makes it highly improbable that Sully would manage to tame one. Of course, then there'd be no triumphant third act. How does the taming work? Isn't it just you plug your, uh, your brain your, in it? You, you plug you, yourself in and you make friends. USB-A to USB-B, basically. Yeah, that, that, that's it. That's... You hold down B after you throw the Pokeball. And isn't Sully, like, isn't Sully's whole situation at this point is that he's actually, like, two steps of uh, plugged-in cords now? Because he's combined with the uh, the meat puppet, and then the meat puppet's plugged into the, uh... Mm-hmm. So he has protection from the feedback. You know what would really help in a sense like this? A VPN from Nord. No, we don't. Ha we don't have the uh, Nord VPN. Fine, Shark. <laughs> I mean, it probably would be. At least you'd get the advertisements. Like every time you load up in your meat puppet, are you protected in your connection? <laughs> we can see your IP. Here's the thing, guys. They have their complaint about how you know uh, the site is enough to send them running for the hills, and they, he's got little experience. One, 
He knows it's possible because they talked about how it had been done before. Two, he talks about in the film about how, hey, this is the big predator and it don't look up because it don't need to. Yeah, Leonopteryx can't look up. They can look up though, John. No, no, Leonopteryx can't. Literally can't. Now you know. I... Look, the difference is, is that uh, the Navi don't have culture like we have. They don't have pop culture. They have not watched Revenge of the Sith. Jake Sully has watched Revenge of the Sith. He knows about the high ground. And that's the thing is that he knows that it's possible. And he knows about the high ground. And he knows about the high ground and he is willing to take advantage of it. And it wasn't any kind of, like, they never say that it's a force of will thing. It was just a, do you make friends with it or not? Yeah. And Jake Sully went up and says, hey, you're a big, terrifying thing. I want you to go be big and terrifying and eat a bunch of things. And I was like, I like to eat things and be terrifying. And he's like, cool, let's go do that. And so they had the the, the handshake, the format handshake, followed by the uh, agreement it's like, you want to eat stuff? Yeah. You want to eat those noisy birds? Yeah. But I, I, should we bring in like our, our overriding theory? Because I think it relates to this and like the next one. It does. Uh, that That is where we get to it is in this one and the next one. All right, guys. Pandora is the home of an a- ancient, more advanced civilization that uh, uploaded their consciousness into supercomputers and created genetically engineered meat puppets called the Navi. Because there ain't no way anything is evolving to have a USB serial port that connects to anything. Meanwhile, we have a material that's a superconductor, you know, useful for computation, mm-hmm. and a mysterious over entity that they can can, like combine in. Meanwhile, they seem to have predators that are created to destroy fire. One of the first signs in civilization to keep the Navi as a protector slaves. And they have the, they talk with the ancestor spirits or the upload, the uploaded consciousness of the prior civilization. Yeah. That created the Navi and all the animals for the purpose of, you know, what if I do want to go run out in the fields what if I want to interact with the physical world again? And so they're like, oh, sure, we'll, we'll build this in before we do the upload. And then after a while, they're like, it's kind of boring, like, just real world horse. We can do whatever we want in a simulation. And so they just stopped. And so you're left with the Navi and their culture and the whole uh, supercomputer planet. And so everything on Pandora was made to be uploaded into. It was designed to have you connect to it and control it. And so Jake Sully connected and said, I'm going to control this. And the great Leonopteryx went, okay. That is my purpose. Uh, Starting up uh, meat jacked protocols. It works on everything. Like, Like they act like it's difficult. Like it's hard. And that was the thing is like the, the one time they talk about it being difficult or hard was, or or take it back. There were two instances. There's the first time he has to ride the horse and it was that 
you have to figure out how to talk to the horse and understand it, which is you need to use the right computer language to speak to the animal. And it got to do the right protocol. If you're not initiating the, uh, the packet transfer properly, you're going to have signal loss. And then when you're, when they're talking about getting the like first flying predator and it's not that it's hard to do so much as you find one and you try to talk to it and it agrees. And if it, if you, if you can't communicate with it, you don't get one. See, you got to remember the horses as they use inverse controls. Ooh. Do they invert left and right too? Yeah. Yeah. That's they're the, they're they the, drive like a boat. They drive like a boat. Okay. That's the subgroup that wanted the horses. They were also the boating people. Okay. And so whenever anyone else came in, they're like, your controls are inverted. And I'm like, yeah, but they're hard coded that way. So deal with it. Listen, we had to deal with this when we were growing up. You'll have to deal with it now. Yeah. Kids today have it way too easy. They don't know about that inverted free look. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the whole basis there is it's just everything. Welcome to our theory, Eric. Yeah. No, I, I, you join well, I mean, I would agree. We, I think we talked about it last week, uh, just kind of off, off microphone or whatever. But yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Um, how is the tree able to get all the animals to come together as like a final attack or whatever? Is that the, the ancient civilization realized something's going on in meat space? And things are trying to destroy our computer and our storage banks. Yeah, like we're missing uh, quadrants of our uh, information loss. So yeah, I I would agree. It's that's a good way to explain to it. And well, it the movie. So the article says it through sheer force of will. Well, it can't be that. It's like, but the movie shows that it was through sheer force of will. So mm, I don't know what you're. Look, I don't, I don't, don't think it was actually that much will. I'm pretty sure that anyone could learn how to jack that uh bird if they managed to get, get on, on its the back. May, I almost want to say maybe it's a bit of cultural conditioning as well. The Navi fear this. Yeah, yeah. The, their so, reaction is they see it, they run away. No one's looking for its uh No one is specifically nest. trying to get one. And the one Navi that did, I don't know how many generations ago or whatever. Yeah, he was he went against the programming and was deleted for that. Or he was the one that went, I'm, I'm willing to try this. And hey, it worked. And now he's a legend. But the program couldn't let that happen. He may be a legend, but he had to be terminated. He, he was deleted from the uh, hard drive when he when he died and they hooked him up. They put him in the games until he died playing. All right. So what's our next plot hole? Let's see. Um, that's Grace's death. Yep. Although I do. Ha- I have to bring up an issue with uh, whomever wrote this. All right. But I think it's Richard's turn. All right. So. The next one on here that relates relates to our stuff, and we'll get there, is about Grace's death. In this particular scene, they say, makes no sense, not because of a technicality, but the sheer buildup of events. After Grace is fatally wounded, Sully makes a plea, plea for her consciousness to be permanently bonded to her avatar in order to save her life. It's a long and drawn-out scene with an extreme amount of detail regarding the ritual. It's also a colossal letdown. Grace dies anyway, the scene serves no real purpose except to set up a convenient thread whereby Jake can abandon his human body and prepare for more Avatar sequels. Well, that seems like a purpose. That being said, it does present the opportunity for iconic actress Sigourney Weaver 
to make a new appearance in the upcoming Avatar 2. All right. So their whole thing is a, it serves a plot device. It does. So it's not actually a plot hole. Yeah. It's there to go, hey, when we use this later to say to move Sully over, you're not surprised. Also, it does mean that Grace got uploaded into the uh, digital world where they probably treated her as an intruder and locked her up in prison. Put her on the game grid. I was going to say she was sent to the games. She was sent to the games. Yeah, that's it. That's there we it, go. It's not a plot hole. It's, yeah, it's just, and especially when this, whoever, whomever wrote this said, well, this serves no real point except to set up a crucial plot, plot point. So, and it made you sad when she died. They're like, man, why did they put this gun in the first act? And is it just so they could fire it in the second act? Why did they call it? Who why did they uh, proudly proclaim that it was owned by Chekhov? I mean, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So there you go. It turns out that if you put a big thing that's important later, then you can use it later. I mean, it can feel contrived, and maybe that's their point. But I mean, they they are upset that Grace dies, and. Might have been a sloppy uh, plot contrivance. I think that they feel that the uh, ritual went on too long for the amount of payoff. That's this movie in general. Welcome to Avatar. It was in 3D too, so maybe that's Mm. what they were really upset about. They had a headache at this point in the film. Yeah. All right. Well, it's established early on that the reason for the Avatar project was to satisfy the United Nations and the public regarding mistreatment and exploitation of the Na'vi by human forces. Yeah, the military is allowed to steamroll over the Navi without so much as an apology, which seems entirely suspect. The word of this sure would have surely made its way back to Earth and triggered massive protests and scrutiny, yet the military forces under the command of Quaritch go full speed ahead to get what they wanted, regardless of the political ramifications. Just who was in charge on Pandora, anyway? Well, the rule is, always, who's in charge is the person there. Like, there's... There is military chain of command, and you're supposed to respect that. But when your command line is stretched over FTL, if you cannot, if you cannot receive orders in a timely fashion, it's up to you to make the call. And what is what's the phrase? It's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. Or uh, sergeant in motion outranks a lieutenant that doesn't know what's going on. And so the question isn't whether or not he has to apologize. It's how much of an apology can he give after the fact? I, I think the real issue is, is he going to be able to withstand the strongly worded letter that the UN would send to him? And I think he actually would because, you know, there were, he, they were wor- working on their mining operation and then the natives came and they killed several of his workers, destroyed the property. They had sent in a peacetime negotiator to inform them. And they killed them. Of them and they killed that. They killed those people. And so when he, so he had to uh, start doing a more aggressive negotiation to relocate them to a safer place where these people would no longer be in harm's way from this mining operation. It was a humanitarian effort all the way around. And it, it hurts so much tears to his eyes to have to make that call. And he will live with that decision for the rest of his life. And I think he's got a perfectly viable spin doctor with the company that wants to make 
how many billion dollars for the one kilo piece? Well, I mean, it's 20 million for a kilo. And underneath that tree was the largest concentration on the planet. So I think that uh, he will be able to wipe away his guilt and sadness with the money. And, uh, and the UN a letter, strongly worded letter. And the UN letter telling him that he's no longer in command here. And he wipes off with the Benjamin Franklin dollar bills. Cue the Woody Harrelson meme. And there's yeah. a thing called the fog of war. Well, and okay, and so- uh, limitations based off of uh, social outrage don't affect you much when you are light years away from the problem. Like, he can't see the protests. They're never going to bother him. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's assume this, uh, whatever, the military guy is a real jerk. He's a real bad guy. Do we, do we have to assume that? No, we don't. But, okay, what sort of information is getting off Pandora? They're not... They are Whatever they, he sends. Are they shooting a laser beam out? Or because it's, you know, they're light years away. I imagine it's, they have to send a... Uh, like a hard, like they have to use a sneaker net. They have to use the hard copies, right? Mm-hmm. FTL snail mail. That's, that's what's going on. They'd because have, the you can't send the signal. The signal doesn't go FTL. You have to send the thing that goes FTL and then send a signal. So let's, let's assume he's a real jerk. You know, you have people like, we're protest. Uh, people on Pandora, like we're, we think you overreacted, and we're going to go tell everyone. I mean, who's to say he doesn't have a a subordinate on the FTL, the whatever the transport or whatever? Like, uh oh, this person's FTL uh, stasis failed, and all the data that we were sending was corrupted. Nothing bad happened here. Yeah, the thing is, we know that he's a like he wants to. Yep, he wanted to have a fight with the natives. He was looking for a fight with the natives. Like he was he had the he had the motive. He the had means. the means. He was waiting for the opportunity and, and then, they gave it to they him. They gave it to him. So, yeah, it's whatever intern wrote this article would maybe just think a little bit harder. It was within character for him. It's within character and the the way it's going to um, layout is that the news is going to get to Earth that peaceful relations with the Navi went south and the uh, military was forced to uh, engage in a police action. How long does it take to get to Pandora to from Earth to Pandora? So assuming from Pandora to Earth, isn't it six years? It is a time period. It's not specified mm. how much I don't think. We don't have a specific thing. I thought they specified at the beginning, like, hey, you've been asleep for six six something. That might have been. I might have missed that one line. I think it was like six months. Oh, that's still a bit of time. Yeah, it's still snail mail. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, oh, they're angry and too late. What are you going to do? Slap me on the wrist? I will take that strongly worded letter. Thank you very much. Here, have have this uh, unobtainium. How about some appeasement for you? Sorry we shelled your village. Here's some gold. <laughs> All right, so I think that's the end of the, the screen it. rant list. Yep, that, that is it. Well, Avatar. Yeah. Let's talk about it. All right, so straight up, guys. Screw the Navi. I have no uh, sympathy for them. You are not invested in the blue people? No, no. You don't feel bad for them? No, not at all. You're going to get canceled, John. You're, but you're not on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. And so. not really on Facebook either. Yeah, so, so I'm pretty safe. Well, I'm just going to point out, 
I'm for humanity. And any uh, alien race we run into has to fall into a category of either beneficial or dangerous. And then there's the kind of small middle ground of, uh, eh. And the Navi pushed themselves into dangerous because they were specifically avoiding being beneficial. Like we could have a mutual, uh, beneficial relationship with them, but they don't want it. They could have talked about the, uh, giant computer net that they connect to. And when, when, when you're an FTL race and you come to a stone age race, you don't, you can't negotiate with them. There is no negotiation because any, anything you do is from a position of power that they just don't have. I mean, they, they have like, obviously spaceships. Can't they, if you know, the poop hit the fan or whatever, can't they just do an orbital bomb bombardment? Yeah. They can drop tungsten rods from orbit and obliterate whatever they want. No questions asked, no radiation. Just go in and collect it. Like if we want the unobtainium, we get it. And so we're coming up and saying, Hey, this rock, you literally do not care about. You want something for it. And then obviously you're saying, we don't want to talk to you because we believe that, uh, you're terrible people. And it's like, all right, you don't we want to talk show to us. you how we can be terrible people. Like there's a, there's a scale here. You guys quite understand we're from space. Do you want a practical, are you, you, or do you want, you just assume we're terrible people. Would you like a practical example? Yeah. Whereas they're like, oh, you want these rocks? Yeah. What do you want for these rocks? I don't know. We got medicine, clothes. Well, we don't really care because we just jack into these animals and uh, communicate it with them this power. That's really cool, actually. I and mean, we can figure out that technology. You guys want to go to space? Look, we we built these blue people that can jack into things like you. Nope. That's... That's wrong. Can, can we have these rocks? Can we have some rocks now? You want to actually just talk to us and tell us, hey, you can have these rocks, but not these rocks here because we think these glowy trees are special. We'll work with you then. Now, I, I do think that the humans in this film are also dumb because the humans are also jerks in this film. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like, there's no reason to strip mine for unobtainium. Especially when it is literally Everywhere on this planet. Yeah. Yeah. And you know where the concentration is? Sure. That one has to be the largest concentration, but then you go, well, where's the second largest concentration? Can we grab that without ticking off a bunch of natives? Yeah. Even then, like it's the whole purpose of strip mining. Strip mining is what you do when there is a concentration, but it's not solid. And all the unobtainium is like in veins. Mm-hmm. Like you strip you mine. Like a standard mine. Yeah. Strip mines when it's a, like mixed in with all the other rocks at like a, 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 a portion and you have to refine for it. So basically, yeah, these humans were going about acquiring, a the unobtainium is a terrible way. So I have points against them for just being bad at their job, but really come on. You're a civilization. You have no chance against the humans. You are depending entirely on humans. Um, but they won, John. They won. They won now. But here's the thing is, what's going to happen with uh, the company? Well, they probably get a new uh, they just, director. They're, they're like, they pulled out. Someone um, else is going to go in. There. Someone else is going in. And if uh, that person goes in and they just don't care. See, here's the, the. The Navi are in danger of being wiped out. I would argue that the Navi are in danger of being wiped out. And it's a good thing that they did kill the military guy. Because even if they had won their thing there 
They load him into a spaceship and take him into space. Well, let's drop something from orbit. Yeah, yeah. And like, even if Because as soon as you put them in the spaceship in space, they have the high ground. Uh, just as an FYI, I don't. You guys haven't seen space Avatar is the 2, highest right? high ground. I have not no, seen Avatar. 2. I have not watched it. So the villain in Avatar Two is the general guy. He apparently gets uploaded into an Avatar body as well. Oh, huh, well, there we go. So just FYI, he is not. He's not done for. But, but I thought he was killed. But apparently... so here's the point: is, is the, the 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 Navi have lost the moment they made contact with humanity. The same way humanity will have lost. If an FTL uh, civilization contacts us, it's the dark forest concept and we can be friendly. Like we want to be friendly with the Navi, but they just got to realize something. They have stuff that would help humanity and they don't want to benefit from it themselves in the long term. It's not on their side unless they want to trade. That's just, that's, that's reality. That's how it is. So you know what? <laughs> Welcome to a capitalist dystopia, guys. It's not a capitalist dystopia. That's just it's reality. History. That's what I mean, we said. Like when, so obviously, or let's, there's parallels between the actual uh, European colonists and the indigenous people of the Americas and whatnot. Like when I say parallels, it's like carbon copy. The biggest problem with the, that I have with that particular comparison is that there is a even larger, much bigger technology gap. And I, I, I just want to bring it back to, okay, this is... A, if you had the Europeans show up with spaceships. Well, so what I wanted to bring up is just like, this is obviously people saying, well, that was bad. Like what, what they did and what the United States government did to the Native Americans. But also not to sound callous, that also happened in the past. That's, we have no... like it's, That's yeah, history. It's, it's history and just any sort of well-wishing isn't going to change what would actually happen. Really, I think that they just want you to say that we'll try and do better. With a strong and a strongly worded letter, they will have a very sad face on when they deliver that terrible news that the entire natives were wiped out because they didn't listen to reason. Because they were violent. Savages barely even human well okay they weren't human i guess the sully was barely even human at that point yep they they infected him so i'm just trying to bring back the pocahontas song right there i can't remember the rest of the <laughs> i'm just song. saying jake sully doomed the navi their only chance for survival long term would have been to uh accept their losses you know sunk cost fallacy concept uh-huh and turn around and say all right we understand now we are on completely unequal levels. You can have the unattainium. We just want to be left alone. And these are our regions. Like we'll get an unattainium for you. You want that? Can we go to space? Check that out. That'd be kind of cool. What's yeah. the star Wars you talk about? Can we maybe like get meat puppets of animals from earth and ride around in them? Uh, unfortunately, it's a wrong protocol. Oh, they'll figure it out. Like, the Navi can get something from humanity, besides orbital bombardment, and Jake Sully's not taking him down that right path. So, uh, going back, uh, John, you said this was your first time watching Yes, it. this is my first time watching Avatar. 
Richard, did you watch it in theaters when it was a cult- when it was a, the phenomenon in 2009? I did not. When did you watch it for the first time? I watched it in like 2012 when my parents got a 3D TV and it came with the TV. Oh. Man, 3D technology really is going to really catch on, huh? Oh yeah. I mean, admittedly, the TV glasses were way better to watch with than the movie theater glasses. They did not hurt your eyes nearly as bad. Because, yeah, I saw in theaters when it, uh, I think, well, and I just, during this period, I noticed I would start getting a lot of headaches with 3D movies. And it's just kind of like, I think I need to be done with 3D now. And thank goodness the uh, trend of, hey, we're going to take all these 2D movies we shot and convert them to 3D. That's what the kids really want. Um, So... It was fun to watch in theaters, I guess. Like, obvious, it was okay. Am I upset I watched it? No, but would I watch it again? Probably not. You're I, saying you have better things to do with three hours of your life? I mean, I could watch, like, Star Wars twice. See, I, f- I think the reason Avatar did so well is it's a very shallow science fiction. And it's not crunchy. Which means that uh, it's really easy to get into. So it's very accessible. And it is visually interesting. It, like, it was beyond anything else. Like, I have less fondness for it straight up because I've seen better stuff since then. Like, I mean, I've watched Pacific Rim. I watched, <laughs> I watched a robot punch the... Uh, uh, the uh, this, a Newton's Cradle. Uh, Newton's Cradle. What's, what's uh, Avatar God that beats that? Pretty Colors? And everyone knows that pretty colors always trump everything else. I do believe Avatar was on the lead edge of the uh, pretty colors blue orange, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, what do you mean, like with movie posters? Well, just with uh, the color scheme within uh, movies being mm. heavily blue and orange, like mm. light and cool, was mm. not always the standard case. Mm. I think Avatar was on the leading edge because all the because uh, like I've seen every the- every animal's blue. Because I've seen the movie posters that are like, oh, it's, um, can I copy your homework? Sure, change it just, but change it so that, uh, you know, we don't, you didn't copy. Yeah, I, I believe that uh, Avatar is on the, like, the edge of that movement. I almost want to say a, the Disney Aladdin came, bef- like, was the first first? Because a lot of that are the same. Disney Aladdin's after Avatar, isn't it? The, no, you mean you mean the animated Disney? Yeah, the animated yeah, Disney nineteen ninety three. Yeah, well, it, it had it, but it wasn't like a movement. No, it was. I think it was like a pioneer, but especially the movie poster that was one of the first ones that did the blue orange combination. But then you're like Avatar also did the uh, got three D up again, and for a short period of time, and then once again three D died to death. That is what three D does. Eventually, three D died when the Nintendo stopped supporting the three DS. <laughs> That was the best form of 3D you could you could have as a consumer. Look, the the way 3D is going to live on is in VR. I, I could see that, but you know, VR is still fairly niche. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right, uh, John, are you going to watch Avatar again? Then I am never going to seek out Avatar again. But okay, assume and w- given that it's three hours long, I'm unlikely to watch it. Just cause like it's on TV or something. Well, that's probably like five hours with commercials. Yeah. 
So uh, probably not. I I say, well, if it was on a plane, but here's the thing: planes now have an option to watch movies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's multiple movies. There's like, channels. I would rather watch two 90 minute movies than than one one, one avatar. avatar. Like you said, it's a very it's very shallow. We've as we alluded to at the beginning, it's there's other movies that have done it probably better. I mean, the Disney Pocahontas is only 90 minutes long and they got the same message across. And I will point out that there are catchier songs. Our leading male characters has the exact same initials. So it's basically the same film anyway. Mm -hmm. JS. I mean, maybe the soundtrack's okay. I literally can't even remember any songs from it. Yeah, but that means it's like good video game music or like background listening when you're doing something else because it's not going to distract you. Like you, you listen to like, but it didn't enhance Pirates either. of the Caribbean. Suddenly you're like in Pirates of the Caribbean in your head and you're following along with the music instead of doing what you're supposed to be doing. So like listening to Avatar soundtrack while you're doing something else will make you a bit better at that something else. We'll have to test it out. Now, like if someone got me like tickets for free to go watch Avatar in theaters, maybe I do it. It probably is a better experience in theater. I would. So I watched it on a, a small laptop screen and compared to it, it just wasn't the same. Yeah. Like I imagine it's the same with like, to be fair, uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong. It was pretty cool in theaters. It's pretty cool in theaters. I don't think it's the same experience outside. It, you're there for the experience and for the, uh, the loud vi- noises, the loud noises, and the visual scale. Because that's what Avatar is. It is a pretty picture. All right. Well, you know what? I think we're done with Avatar, but we're not done with our patrons. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Um, we appreciate all that you do for us and all that you have allowed us to do. You're- Even sometimes when it involves watching three-hour movies. Like, your support is worth more than unobtainium, because it's real. And has a less stupid name. Yes. Although, to be fair, I think patron... Like, I understand where the word patron comes from. Like, it's the patron of the arts, blah, 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 whatever. It just kind of sounds weird from a techie standpoint. Do you feel patronized? Almost. Well, I guess I have been patronized from our lovely patrons. But, question, real question is, guys... Do you think Lucario would be the Navi's favorite Pokemon? Like, what do you think, audience? If you like the episode, leave a like on Facebook and leave a comment of which Pokemon you think the Navi would want to be uploaded through the uh, Nintendo link. Or in 280 characters or less, let us know uh, your same opinion. Which Pokemon would be um, the the Navi's favorite Pokemon type. I almost want to go with the uh, Wormhole X Pokemon from Sun and Moon because they take over people. Or, since we have long-form format and email, you can send us your dissertation about why James Cameron's avatar did have cultural impact. Shouldn't they also be sending their strongly worded letter from the UN that I don't believe that the we should care that much about the Navi? Yes, you can also tell John that he's a terrible person, that he doesn't care about what happens to indigenous peoples. There you go. They're not human. That's why I don't care. Humanity first. Humanity first for the emperor of mankind. The emperor loves you specifically, guardsmen. <laughs>